Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Hello, hello. Today we have Phoebe Lapine. Hello, Phoebe. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here from Feed Me Phoebe, but now. Is your Instagram name now Phoebe Lapine? Or it's it always s- been. There is a Feed Me Phoebe out there. Oh, She's shit. Why did I think you were Feed Me Phoebe at one point? Well, your website is. My website okay. is. Yes, my blog. Yeah. Well, there's a The Freckled Foodie. Oh. And she existed before I did. However, she recently, I believe, shut down everything. And out of nowhere, like this never happened for the past two years, I just got a slew of DMs saying, hey, I love this recipe you made. And then they explain it, and I know it's not mine. They're like, but I can't find it anywhere. And then I realize it's the freckled foodie. Like, I'm really sorry. That's not mine. It sounds delicious. And evidently, the website's no longer. Well, you benefited at least. You're getting kind her, <laughs> her <laughs> leftover random people. Say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Phoebe is joining us to chat about everything you've built and you've done because I we're new friends but I fangirled over you for a while first before we were friends that means so much and, <laughs> you're so welcome and to talk all things SIBO 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 small intestine bacteria overgrowth because I have dealt with it but you are doing exactly what I love by making it approachable so oh my thank God. you bless you <laughs> happy to help we're just gonna gas you up this entire episode <laughs> Um, so to start, how would you define success? Oh man. I mean, I, I've always defined success by being able to do whatever I want. Like, I don't know. I'm lucky that I come from a privileged enough life that I've been able to take risks so far and, um, you know, quit my corporate job to Mm -hmm. do this full time. And what were you doing? I well, it's it's hard to even say it at this point because I only had a real job for two years of my life, <laughs> and it's been ten years now. Holy shit. In the fall, it'll have been ten years. So you've been an entrepreneur way more than you've been like in the corporate world. Oh, way more. And I passed my old office building on Fifth Avenue <laughs> uh, over the weekend, which is just a little jarring. Um, yeah. But yes, I worked in marketing at a L'Oreal okay. right out of college. Got it. Which was a very coveted job yeah, amongst sure. my female peers. Yeah. And, and you also were graduating at a time where jobs were really difficult to I, get. Well, or no? it was right before. Oh, right before. Right before. Okay. I quit peak of recession. <laughs> Great <laughs> move. My parents, who are both creatives, were like, uh, who like didn't want me to take this like weird corporate job yeah. to begin with, were like, uh, maybe you should <laughs> leave. <laughs> so you grew up with creative parents. Mm-hmm. And do you think that that influenced what you decided to eventually do? For sure. And I think they both, my mom, well, I'd actually think, say both of them found success fairly early Mm -hmm. and in a way that I think gave them the confidence and like, you know, the, the name recognition to be able to go out and kind of pivot into various other creative endeavors. And so I guess that's why I see that as (laughs) as the definition of success. I I have to just pause because I cannot hear the word pivot and not laugh and think of friends. So I was giggling to myself. Do you watch friends? I mean, I had a love-hate relationship with it because of oh, my God. name. <laughs> oh, shit. I didn't think yeah. about that. Well, there's one scene where they're moving a couch and they yell pivot the whole time. And it's like oh. a big family thing for us. So whenever I hear pivot, that's where my mind goes. I watched it, but I don't, I you don't know the absorb. Okay. It's like yeah. my Bible. Okay. Um, anywho, 
back to what we were saying, because I do think what your parents do shape you, whether they're influencing you and telling you to do that same thing. But that's honestly why I started the job I did in sales and trading. I was like, oh, my mom used to be an investment banker. My dad works in credit cards. Is there a world outside of finance? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I never in a million years would have thought I'd be working for myself. It was actually a very hard conversation to have with them eventually to kind of get them on board. They're fully on board They're now. on board. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're big supporters. Um, and they listen to every episode. My dad oh. loves to make it clear that he's watched every Instagram story. He'll text me and be like, hey, that dinner, you did this, you did that, you did this, just repeating what I storied. I did do all those things. Hi, mom and dad. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hi, mom and dad. Um, So they were supportive, kind of. Obviously, the timing wasn't ideal, but they were supportive. They were supportive. Um, I mean, I, they live in New York. Mm -hmm. I had a really funny like experience in the gig economy again height of the recession Mm -hmm. and so basically how it happened was I started a food blog in 2008 on the side with one of my best friends from high school Mm -hmm. and we had kind of it was like the real early not not the real early days of blogging but yeah it was we really hadn't hit like blogspot Um, or what was it oh yeah yeah Yeah. blogspot it was like blogger.com for (laughs) sure and I literally started my site in 10 minutes I was just like blogger and like yep. logged on, didn't have a real URL. Yeah, yeah. totally the whole thing. Um, so we kind of like always envisioned having a cookbook. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of worked towards that very quickly. And it was like, it was a site for 20 something cooks, like, yeah. you know, trying to make it work with limited time, money, and, you know, mm-hmm. additional resources, <laughs> space, of course. And the biggest New York issue. Yeah, exactly. So we had this real niche. And so we ended up getting a cookbook deal nine months in. And then Wait, I don't know any of this part yeah. of your story. Yeah, it's my previous chapter. So were you still working in marketing during this time? Or you had oh, yeah. Work? Yeah. I left right before we got the deal, but we were shopping it around. And I, I don't know. Again, I, I was young and naive and I was just like, it's yeah. going to happen. So I quit. Wow. I know. Isn't it nice when you're so naive that you don't even think about like the possible negative outcome and you just do something. We should all live like that. I know. And then I found out what our advance was and I was like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) that's funny. Yeah. So then I started, you know, again, gig economy, Mm -hmm. catering, private chefing, kind of doing you know, whatever anyone was asking for. Um, eventually yeah. teaching cooking classes. I don't think I was good enough <laughs> chef at the beginning to do that. But now that is part of my array of yeah. food offerings. And You've got a wide array. Yeah. And so it was funny, though, I was going to say about my parents is that they were very supportive and that they let me, like, move back in with them, mm-hmm. like, habitually like every summer I would sublet my room and like move back in with them because they weren't really around in the summer and I had this one situation very creative situation where I subsidized over half my rent by having a girl who worked in finance in Connecticut live in my room over the weekends and I had a boyfriend at the time so I would just stay at his apartment and I would put on her sheets when I left and she would put mine back on when you were Airbnb before it existed exactly but no it was way more stable I mean she like paid me a significant amount of rent (laughs) what was she doing during the weekdays uh, she lived in Connecticut and like worked in Connecticut, oh, but, but like she her social be. life was not in Connecticut. So holy shit, do you still communicate with this person? Um, no, she's a girl I went to college with, and I think it worked because we weren't ever like friend friends, like yeah. we were acquaintances, and that's like, wild. Took a but class also together, awesome for you. 
oh it was perfect I feel really bad for my roommate at the time like she was so understanding through all of this stuff like <laughs> through my like part-time <laughs> living at like goodbye you can find a new <laughs> yeah. apartment by yourself thank you so much for being here wow all yeah. right so the cookbook I, I can't believe I didn't know this but you eventually no, no. a lot of people don't know about that the cookbook chapter. was released Mm-hmm. And are you, what's, is this girl still in food? The high school friend? Yeah, she still runs the site that we started together, but like kind of isn't really doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. She's a journalist now. Okay. Um, we've kind of like, we hit our fork in the road yeah. in that relationship, which is a whole nother podcast okay. subject. Got it. But um, yeah, uh, she's still doing great. Just, you know, kind of her own pivot. Doing you know? her own thing. Mm-hmm. Pivoting. So many pivots. So then, so many pivots. So many. What led you to then eventually create your own page and feed me Phoebe, and then the first book? Yeah. So I mean, we like journey. we went our separate ways yeah. in an official capacity, and yeah. so I started Feed Me Phoebe. I didn't know what it was going to be. I kind of it was interesting. We kind of created this brand together, and mm-hmm. you know, we were a little like high on our horse and like overthought it a little bit too much. I think again because like the age of blogging was kind of different back then. And so we like kind of forged this like joint um, cooking personality and which is tough anyway. Yeah. To maintain. The irony of all of my health stuff and my dietary restrictions Mm -hmm. now is that I did my first elimination diet and like discovered I had a huge issue with gluten literally during our book tour. So a doctor, like as we were about to go out on the road to promote our cookbook was like, yes, you're doing this elimination diet. And I was like, (laughs) so basically like make all this food for our events and like couldn't eat any of it. I couldn't eat half the recipes in our book. Um, And then it just doesn't feel like you. Exactly. So it was kind of like I was headed in a different direction. Mm -hmm. um, In addition to, you know, just us two Mm -hmm. as partners were headed in different directions. And yeah, so I started Feed Me Phoebe, didn't like really know what I was doing, just like kind of rode at it and then like woke up one day and was like, oh, like healthy comfort food. That is what I'm doing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I like didn't really know. You found Um, your mission statement. Exactly. I think my original tagline was like food, friends and fun. (laughs) (laughs) So many Fs and like PHs, but I love it. Yeah. But like... Like, again, the, like the 20-something brand slash, like, I mean, it was what our lives revolved around was, like, the social yeah. aspect of food and, like, having these, like, crazy 30-person dinners mm-hmm. on, like, you know, $50. And, yeah. yeah. But it's also, like, insane to believe or imagine that whatever brand you built at that age in your young 20s would then continue until where you are now like obviously there were going to be pivots exactly and names were gonna change and new things were gonna Mm -hmm. happen so you found your way and I love it I found my way yeah and then all this wellness stuff just took me by surprise so let's get into that because that's how I first found out about you Mm. what's the book the wellness oh really through the book that's how oh someone recommended it to me I honestly don't remember who I wish I knew but I read it and I was like Oh my gosh, this speaks to me on so many levels. I thought it was so interesting and also so funny. So Good. I really loved it. I tried. Yeah. <laughs> and I texted all of my friends. I have a text of a few like food Instagram now real friends who you probably know most of them. Probably. But I texted them being like, guys, this book is so good. And then we were all reading it at the same time. Oh my 
gosh. I mean, that makes me so happy because, yeah. I mean, the book did fine. It mm-hmm. wasn't like a runaway success. So I still like sometimes two years later, like just amazed that people read it. <laughs> it was great. The Wellness Project. And the we will put Project. it in yeah. the show notes. I highly recommend reading it, honestly. Thanks. And it is a good read. I have to say now that it's I'm a really over good read. my imposter syndrome and the whole thing, like, yeah, I worked so hard on it. And I'm sure. it turned out great, I think. You definitely are someone that from an outsider's perspective watching you, it seems that you work your freaking butt off and you're doing a lot of things, but you really are doing them all in a very professional way. Like you don't have ass yeah. things, which I really admire. Well, I think it's all thanks to the corporate job, honestly. Yeah. Like I really needed that work experience after Mm -hmm. so many years of liberal arts education just (laughs) teaching me how to think and yeah I mean I take so many kind of professional tools away from that even just like you know spreadsheets Mm -hmm. wouldn't have known how to create one or even like emailing stuff like that yeah professionalism yeah the business side of what we do I think is very overlooked and I think there are a lot of people that you can watch from an outsider's perspective that look like they're just trying to put out as much as possible and maybe aren't making sure like you're very quality over quantity and I really admire that but you still have a ton of fucking quantity I know I was like I feel like but you have a ton of quantity but it's just all quality so I guess you're just both great (laughs) I don't know how that's possible but it is no I asked myself so right now I have a new podcast which we'll get to to, and a book on the same subject that I'm working on right now but I'm like I'm doing everything I was doing last year but I in addition I have a podcast and a book no and I don't do you want to I mean yes but at the same time I'm kind of like making it work right now Mm -hmm. but I'm also just asking I'm like what did I do last year with my like it and you felt never like felt sc- like you had free time, I'm sure. Yeah. No, my schedule felt just as full. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. I feel that way about how I'm s- I am feel so busy right now. First of all, we love to say how busy we are in yeah. Manhattan. But I do feel so busy. And then I think about people that have a child. Oh, I and know. And they're like, you don't know what busy is. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know how that fits into anyone's life. I mean, you I obviously really don't. make space for this human being but still it's kind of like that you get something new and then you think back onto whatever the chapter was prior of how well how did I think that was x like that was nothing compared to what it is now yeah I think you just work more efficiently like all these things teach you yes. to work more efficiently yeah yeah I know. do you time block no I'm too I'm not like a linear thinker or yeah. like doer I don't think I could set those types of rules and actually follow them. Yeah, I don't either. Well, I'm dabbling with it right now because I feel, I don't know if you feel this way, but with all the different things I'm doing, I sometimes feel as if I'll sit down to do something and then I'll start doing it and then I'll do something else Mm -hmm. and do something else and do something else and I'll walk away three hours later and feel like I did nothing. Mm -hmm. And I did a bunch of little things, Mm -hmm. but I didn't complete a large task. Exactly. So... My therapist and I are working on like not a strict time block, but like a, okay, 30 minutes on this project that I'm working mm. on. What really kills me is my iMessage notifications on my laptop. Oh, get rid of those. I know, but I like to type in text. Do you? Oh, yeah. Like oh, people no. would be you amazed to off. know that maybe 90% of the text messages they receive from me, I type on my computer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know I need to figure out a way to like mute it and then turn it back on when I want to text it's hilarious it I don't even know I wouldn't even know how to turn that on, on I don't know computer. how it was turned on <laughs> honestly I connected everything on iCloud and all of a sudden it just happened it's not like I chose it <laughs> anyway we've t- totally digressed but 
after the wellness project, how did walk us through how you then became so involved you obviously had SIBO yeah to get you to this place but what was that story like yeah so long story short I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis mm-hmm. which is an so auto pretty. I know right <laughs> it's an autoimmune disease that affects the thyroid gland and weirdly I was actually diagnosed when I was 22 so right when I was starting my first site okay. and I just ignored it for many years um like literally just like like left. all young 20 year olds yeah do. left yeah. the doctor's office and was like mm-hmm. la what did you say I didn't hear you yeah what (laughs) and um yeah and then eventually like the symptoms added up to the point where when I was about to go on book tour I was it was kind of debilitating so Mm -hmm. I was like I should go to a doctor and yeah fast forward um in doing my site I was just like in a personal place of feeling incredibly overwhelmed once I started to pay attention and kind of delve into the rabbit hole that is um online <laughs> it's so wellness scary. content and yeah so I took a page like almost literally out of Gretchen Rubin's book The Happiness mm-hmm. Project and decided I was going to kind of curate this semi-type A curriculum for myself which is funny as because as I we was just said with say, time block yeah. like I really did not gravitate towards those kind of rules so I of course like made a million caveats for myself I'm mm-hmm. like it's not about doing anything for 30 days per se it's about you know tackling one problem at a time like the- and that I admire because yeah. that's what I took away from it of like the wellness quote-unquote industry can be so overwhelming and when you feel like you have so many things to do at once you then don't want to do any of them mm-hmm. and so by taking the basically for anyone who hasn't read the wellness project each month or 30 days month I mean yeah it was yeah. all it was all very um yeah <laughs> it was whatever you decided the bookends weren't yeah. <laughs> that concrete but <laughs> you were focusing on one specific thing yeah and so reading it it was very interesting because it was a mindset that I can definitely like understand and relate to and I admired in a sense because I tend to take on a lot of things at once and mm-hmm. then get overwhelmed by them same so, so it was almost oh I should be I should be doing this um but when you were doing this did you know that a book was like you were yes. writing the book okay similar to the first site and book I was like oh like I want to write about this I like jumped in right away for my site but kind of in the planning process like of the actual mm-hmm. quote-unquote project as, as I was researching I started to write a book proposal because okay. I know how to do it and yeah it was really like I wanted to tell the story not just do it behind the scenes anyway because I felt like nothing out there really existed like that Definitely for help not. and then of course in all the research I was doing and all the books I was reading I was like there's none of these books like speak to the reality of like They're being not a young 20 something like trying to make it work in like yeah. a 400 square foot apartment like so I knew I just and for me personally like the way I learned best it was always like the first five pages of every doctor's mm-hmm. book that like talked about their story and how they got into like yeah. holistic medicine or whatever and then I fell asleep after that so mm-hmm. um I knew that I wanted to like have the compliment sandwich of facts like <laughs> do some like compelling narrative on both sides and then just like sneak in it some worked facts. it really worked <laughs> yeah. so you eventually were you were struggling with these gut health issues yeah. So gut health issues like 1.0 yeah. was a lot of stuff having to do with the Hashimoto's. Well, I mean, it's all it's all connected. Mm-hmm. But um, essentially, after the wellness project, like the actual experiment, I felt great. And then I went out and did 
my book tour and had like a fairly stressful year. I'm sure. Um, and so I started to feel like some sim- some symptoms again. And I just kind of attributed a lot of it to stress and mm-hmm. travel and just, you know, having a pretty... Which definitely plays into it. Oh, of course. And then kind of once my schedule died down and like the symptoms persisted, just like bloating and like burping was mm-hmm. one. Lovely. Um, oh my God, I used to be the biggest burper like out no outrageous yeah to the point where on the lacrosse field I would do it and people like on the other side of the field would look over and I didn't even connect it with any of my gut health issues I just thought it was so funny yeah no that was a symptom I absolutely didn't connect I just now know that I was doing it all the time Mm -hmm. um so I went to another holistic doctor who like finally texted me for SIBO came back positive Mm -hmm. yeah that was that but um then you know it was like I had heard of SIBO and I had definitely heard of low FODMAP diet Mm -hmm. but I certainly didn't quite ever I think understand what it was until I started doing my research and like what it is is it's it's not good versus bad bacteria it is Mm -hmm. a type of quote-unquote dysbiosis which just means an imbalance Mm -hmm. but it's that your bacteria is in the wrong place and I think like when we talk about gut health like we say gut we don't say large intestines colon Mm -hmm. I mean I don't even know at the time I wrote this entire book on health and I'm like I don't even know that I knew the large intestines and the colon were the same thing nope (laughs) yeah so as it turns out most of these trillions upon trillions Mm -hmm. of gut bacteria belong in the colon, not like the entire GI tract. Like the majority of them are in the colon. There's some in other places, but not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because in your small intestines, you have a much more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, your your barrier, your intestinal lining yeah. is a lot less porous because it's where you're absorbing nutrients. So things mm-hmm. have to be let in and out. And there are these things called the tight junctions, which when we talk about intestinal, yeah. quote unquote, permeability, leaky gut, those mm-hmm. are what get compromised. But essentially, like if there's bacteria there, then they're competing for your food source in that port, part of your digestive tract um, because it's where you're actually dealing with your digestible yeah. nutrients. So not only will it you know, cause malnutrition on, for some people, but also when bacteria is eating your food, mm-hmm. they produce gas. And so yeah. you're going to feel like a very different kind of bloating than like what someone might feel just, you know, from like eating a few too many it's black so beans. It's so different and it's so obvious. Yeah. And it's really uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. it's like, like physical distension type bloating. Yeah. Like my mind used to dig into my ribs when, yeah. when I had SIBO at work. Like I, I didn't know what SIBO was. I had no freaking idea. Most people don't. Yeah. And... <laughs> When it was so bad, I used to say, like, in the afternoons, my like my rib cage was digging into my stomach uh, and hurt so bad. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that would be the, it definitely <laughs> what most people would say. And then the burping is imaginable, too, because, you know, the gas up. isn't that yeah. close to your your butt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's got to go it's one like, way or the yeah, other. Yeah, exactly. And it's just as close to your, yeah. your mouth. So No, that's – well, the reason I actually went to a doctor eventually was because – my gas was building up so high it was causing a lot of acid reflux and then it was affecting my breathing and so at night I wasn't able to breathe like I would take it if anytime I laughed or took a deep breath in I would have massive coughing fit and I thought it was weird but like I had asthma as a kid so I just kind of was like "Eh, whatever and this was before I really cared about I just thought I was a healthy person I didn't (laughs) understand what was going on and I then was at a wedding I'll never forget I went to go yell across the room to my friend and I could I physically couldn't yell and I turned to Joe and was like I'm going to a GI like something is wrong 
And yeah. she tested me. I was like, oh, you have rampant SIBO. Oh, no. Where have you been? But did you just take like one course of meds? No, and, I okay. did. I think I did two the first. I actually had twice. Mm. Um, I think I did two courses the first time, including like three months of the low FODMAP diet. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> so for those who don't know, do you want to get into like, I guess, the treatment? For sure. SIBO? So... Yeah. There are kind of like three different options. Mm -hmm. One is like conventional antibiotics. And there is one type that is, you know, really just targeted towards the small intestine. So it doesn't have like too much collateral damage for your good gut flora. Is that Cifaxin? Yeah. That's what I took. But it's very expensive. Yeah. Like obscenely expensive. Yeah. (laughs) And then there's um, a whole kind of array of herbs you can use. And there Mm -hmm. are some kind of compound products that are... uh, prescribed quote-unquote specifically for SIBO by doctors but it's all over the counter you can get it on Amazon um and then there's a third one that's like really weird it's something called the elemental diet and it's you're drinking like a liquid diet for two weeks but essentially it's just like your nutrients in their most really yeah basic form and so they absorb because there's nothing to digest they absorb so high in your intestinal tract that they don't get to the point where they're going to be met by the bacteria so you're essentially starving the bacteria and the low FODMAP diet in theory is on one level to starve the bacteria as well by taking away their favorite foods but unless you're eating like just animal protein like Mm -hmm. you're going to have some FODMAPs in your diet you're going to have carbohydrates you're going to have things that you know bacteria can eat because you're supposed to feed the bacteria when you're on an antibiotic or is that wrong it's not wrong there are different schools of thought about the whole thing but yeah um so yeah the low FODMAP diet though is really just prescribed for symptoms and Mm -hmm. there are a lot of GIs who know about the low FODMAP diet but don't even test for SIBO like yeah I think the awareness and like conventional gastroenterology Mm -hmm. around the low FODMAP diet is a lot more um pervasive than SIBO itself because there's a lot more studies and stuff on it I mean I remember so funny I was at a wedding a few years ago and a friend of mine from college is like you know the star like pre-med guy Mm -hmm. and then like went to medical school star medical school guy now he's like head of gastroenterology at like a (laughs) hospital and he like sidled up to me at cocktail and we were like chitty chatting and he like brought up the low FODMAP diet he's like so you know there's a lot of compelling stuff around this low FODMAP diet for IBS (laughs) symptoms this is way pre-SIBO for me. It's yeah. like around the time of the wellness project. And I remember at the time, because I had had a lot of requests via my site for low FODMAP recipes, and I created a few resources that ended up becoming like some of my most popular posts of all time mm-hmm. before I'd ever even tried it myself. Yeah. And so I like had basic understanding of what it was, but I was like, but Dave, like all of these gut scientists, like really, you know, like the ones mm-hmm. at Stanford, like doing all the research say that the best food for your gut bacteria is the opposite of the low FODMAP diet. Yeah. So that's, that's what's, what's confusing. So confusing. Yeah. So the low FODMAP diet essentially takes out these highly fermentable foods, but they're also what your your good gut bacteria like mm-hmm. to eat. But it's like kind of this starvation um, yeah. type method. It's not complete starvation though. Like you can't actually treat SIBO just with the diet. Mm-hmm. It um, can just help the symptoms. Exactly. So you're going to feel a little a lot less bloated if you're taking out these like bigger triggers. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a lot of compelling data as well that if you stay on it long term, like longer than three months, then it's. But like, OK, let's be honest. Who the fuck can do that for more than three months? I have people writing me who have been on it for years, Cameron. Really? And like yes. really on it? Really on it. Afraid to eat 
like Holy out shit. at restaurants. So, wow. It's so unhealthy from even more so an emotional perspective. It's emotionally perspective. so in, intense. Yeah. I did it for three months and I'll obviously put in the show notes like a link. There is an app that makes it more, yeah. what's the, it's like Manoush. Monash, Monash, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like a red green light kind of that tells you like how much, because it's not only... For instance, like garlic and onion are two big ones that you just don't eat at all. But then avocado, you can only have a certain amount. And it tells it's you like, like an eighth of an avocado. Exactly, which is yeah. nothing. Who's going to do? Like, yeah. No, just I'd rather like, avocado. okay, no avocado. Yeah. <laughs> but it tells you what foods. It makes it more accessible than For sure. feeling very overwhelmed, which is how I felt when I started it. Yeah, because it's like a complete it's a mind. diet overhaul yeah and it's a mind fuck it's a we mind can curse fuck. don't okay, worry okay good that's where i was going for um <laughs> yeah and then you get afraid of eating things like yeah. i looking back now that i think i'm in a much better place digestively right now but also mentally i look back at the time when i was reintroducing foods and i was at my worst i was so scared to eat certain foods like yeah. petrified petrified of foods and the mind-gut connection is so real that if mm-hmm. you go into eating something with anxiety overeating it, like, you're probably then going to feel the symptoms even worse. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so funny because I feel like people really get so, like... Obsessed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, maniacal. What's the word? Like... Yeah. No, people get obsessed. obsessed. Yeah. Obsessed. Over the rules of the low FODMAP diet. Like, mm-hmm. I have a meal plan right now that's like a summer low FODMAP reset and someone wrote me an email like love like the look of the recipes I see there's garlic in one not even looking to see that's well this is all technicality but it's garlic infused oil that you make in the recipe you're supposed to be allowed to have yeah which you are allowed to have Mm -hmm. and if she read the recipe you see they take the clove out after you've like seasoned the oil because FODMAPs are not fat soluble so whatever we're getting again it's a very technical diet (laughs) but um it's so funny, like even, so I had this woman, Kate Scarlotta, on my podcast, mm-hmm. the SIBO C- Made Simple podcast. Which <laughs> we will definitely get into after this, because I want to talk about that. Um, and she is like the queen of FODMAPs. And like you look on her site and it's just like hundreds upon hundreds of questions being like, can I have this? Can I not have this? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And when you talk to her, she's just like the most, like so much more easygoing, so encouraging of experimentation. Mm-hmm. And like really adamant that this is not a lifestyle for the long term. It's not. It's really not. And And it it, it gets lost in translation. And same with all the SIBO people. It's like every person I talked to and everything I read once I really dug in was like, the diet is not a treatment. Mm -hmm. You cannot get rid of SIBO just with diet. And if you introduce these foods, you will not contribute to a relapse of SIBO. Like they are not connected. It is purely symptoms Mm -hmm. and something that um Kate Scarlatta said to me that I thought was really interesting is that you know if you experience a little bloating or like a tummy ache after eating something Mm -hmm. that doesn't constitute a failed test like if you're reintroducing Mm -hmm. that's That's not a failure like you need an episode like you need to have to like be married to the toilet for a little Mm -hmm. while that day in order for it to be like that's like a problem yeah yeah because you know our bodies when we don't eat things for a certain amount of time like don't make the enzymes in order to break them down and Mm -hmm. for a lot of people with SIBO and gut issues like we're not making enough enzymes to break a lot of things down so like there's a lot that we can do in order to change our quote-unquote food sensitivities over time without them being yeah like a end all be all yeah a hard line yeah and so I did low FODMAP for three months I think it was before 
my Zephax in treatment. I forget the timeline or maybe it was like right after. I don't remember, but it was five years ago now. So it was definitely, no one was like, I mean, I'm sure that's when I posted my first like roundup of low FODMAP recipes and how to cook low FODMAP. Mm -hmm. And like, it just, yeah, still is one of my top five. I'm sure. Like (laughs) when I Googled it, there were a few things, but like when I told people for me, when I reintroduced foods, I mean, it's interesting now because I am gluten intolerant, but I was so confused. Basically, I thought I was garlic and onion intolerant, which I definitely notice a difference and I still Mm -hmm. don't eat raw onions. A, because I fucking hate them. Yeah. And I never liked raw onions. Me like it neither. It really, really weirds me out that people put them on their sandwiches and salads. And I Joe and I get in big agree. fights about it. Because he thinks that when I have an opinion about something, I act like it should be everyone's opinion. Mm-hmm. And he, he likes to show me that I'm very much not in the majority considering every house salad and burger and everything comes with raw onion. But I uh, either way. a lot of people pick those out, though. Agreed. I mean, it's just disgusting. The smell, everything. So whatever. I never ate raw onion anyway. And I then noticed, like I did notice a big difference when I would eat garlic and onion, like massive. I was semi-debilitated in the beginning. I actually ended up giving it up for three full years. And then when I would say, I mean, like. But what about restaurants? You still ate at restaurants? No. Oh, well, I would, I, of course I ate at restaurants, but I would call every restaurant before, (gasps) go through the menu and be like, what can I have that doesn't have garlic and onion? So I like. Like I took it to an extreme and looking back, wow. like I ended up losing weight, not purposely, but just because yeah. I was only limited to such certain things. But it caused so much anxiety for yeah. me that I didn't notice at the time. Now when I look back, like there was so much wasted brain space in my head of like, well, what am I eating for this meal? What am I going to do for that meal? What am I going to do at this restaurant? And like client dinners were a nightmare for Mm. me because I didn't want to make a big deal out of it. But the point being was when I said like, oh, I'm intolerant to garlic and onion, people were like, shut the fuck up. What are you even talking about? And now it's much (laughs) more common. I mean, Prego just came out with a low-five tomato sauce. Yeah. Yeah. It's... So I, I appreciate all that. Um, but I also feel like I could have reintroduced it a lot earlier. Yeah. And I was always open about it on my page. And up until really this year, I've been eating. Like now I'm at restaurants. I don't say anything about it. I eat stuff with garlic. And I still wouldn't cook with onions. And I wouldn't eat raw onions just because. I don't cook with garlic and onion anymore at home. Yeah. It's actually kind of crazy. And I have to say, guys, we don't notice a difference. Like, we yeah. eat really well. I don't notice a difference Charlie, either. like, yeah. And it's also, by the way, like the garlic stuff and the onion to some extent. It is the way, like, Italians cook. Italians do add a lot of onion. Mm-hmm. But they're not throwing in the amount of of garlic that we do in like Italian American cooking and like Mm -hmm. this country. Like I went to Italy was one of my first trips like post SIBO. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, great. We'll like see how this goes. Cause I hadn't really like officially reintroduced garlic and onion. It was fine. Like it's a little bloated here and there, but like it wasn't exactly. And sometimes like I notice I love middle Eastern food, especially Mm -hmm. right now. I'm on like a big kick. Mm. And so that like, I'll eat everything. And then the next day I notice it a little bit, but it's not like how it used to be. But it is so interesting when you exit a phase of your life to reflect upon and notice like, wow, I was a little crazy about that. Yeah. So if you are trying the low FODMAP diet, I will say like, take it with a grain of salt. It really helps. It can be incredibly helpful for your symptoms. It will not heal your SIBO, but don't like 
kill yourself over it, which I think a lot of people just become very obsessive over it all. Yeah, and it's okay to feel symptoms. I mean, I kind of found myself in this obsessive place with my Hashimoto's as well Mm -hmm. because I'd be looking at my blood work numbers and like you can just become obsessed about anything in Mm -hmm. the health space. And I would say like my whole process of the wellness project was figuring out like that happy medium like yeah I say what I call healthy hedonism but yes, I love that I mean I kind of like later on it was like oh it's really about finding your hard lines and where the wiggle room mm-hmm. is and you have to be open to living In within the wiggle, the wiggle room. room I totally and agree. like you have to be willing to like be a little bloated after a client dinner like yeah. it's fine it's, it's okay just bloating. No one's gonna, like nothing bad is gonna happen yeah like you'll maybe feel and by the way it is a fine line because there are a lot of people who are like i don't mind feeling like shit i'm not gonna give up gluten yeah. dairy and enter whatever your vice is so again it's there's a middle mm-hmm. ground there but for you know symptoms like bloating and stuff like that and like maybe like a couple bad bms like mm-hmm. there is like a cost benefit there you're so proper that you said emotional. bm I, I love you for that i would have just i said talk about poop. poop all the time yeah. so <laughs> um, but i also think that like this goes to obviously the obsessiveness goes with a lot of this industry however talking about bloat specifically like a lot of people, because I've so openly said that I struggled with bloat and constipation and all of that, I get a lot of DMs focused on that and like, I'm freaking out, I'm so bloated, I don't know what to do. Like, the best thing I've done around that, which is really a reset thing within the past year or two, is accept like, okay, I'm fucking bloated, who cares? Like, yeah. this is not me, I'm not, I didn't overnight gain 10 pounds, which, yeah. not saying that that's what matters, but... The discomfort, yes, it sucks. And yes, I will do things to try and help it. I'll have like a warm ginger tea or fennel tea. And like I might lay on top of like a rolled up towel for five minutes. But that it, it can't control our lives. And then when you let it, because when you let it control you, then the anxiety builds. And then I notice it gets way worse. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so much compelling evidence is with SIBO with mm-hmm. pretty much every single condition the that connection. stress makes it way, way yeah. worse so that's our talk on the low FODMAP <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about your podcast yeah. doing exactly what I love of making these intimidating topics approachable yeah so basically so SIBO is like my wellness project 2.0 so mm-hmm. as soon as I got diagnosed not as soon actually important clarification after I got diagnosed and had time to properly yeah. <laughs> marinate on it <laughs> and decide on a course of action I you know wrote something about it and what I was doing which mm-hmm. was just the doctor's orders pretty much um and then I wrote just like a few as I researched myself, like very comprehensive, very, yeah. <laughs> very comprehensive and extensive and amazing pieces oh, thanks. that I read once I got diagnosed again, a few, like two years ago. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of good, like there was good information out there, but it just needed to be no. organized in a yeah. certain way. Well, because I got diagnosed for the second time two months before our wedding maybe and I was really overwhelmed and that's Mm -hmm. when I then went back and read those pieces and was like bless Phoebe well I still need to do an episode on the podcast on traumatic brain injury and SIBO because it is a whole thing I know you sent me a a podcast about that like I remember right after my accident you were like when you're feeling up for it um 
Yeah, that's actually very interesting. It's so interesting. There's like a lot of episodes I want to do around the brain mm-hmm. gut connection, but like specifically that like one. brain trauma. Um, but yeah, so I wrote these posts and it was crazy. Like the mm-hmm. response was nuts. And, you know, I'd say like the things of mine that have done really well from like an SEO perspective yeah. online, like the low FODMAP post, it's a lot of people searching it. Mm-hmm. They're the things that, you know, were a little bit, you know, ahead of the curve and yeah from a lot of the time a long time ago and the SIBO post was that I was like oh my gosh like people need this information like it is already like killing the search terms because it is the most comprehensive and people are spending 20 minutes on the page reading it and it was just like for me like a good um indicator that yeah that was maybe somewhere even though I never thought I would get this deep niche but yeah to spend a little bit more time there and create some resources but I don't think you dug yourself into a niche like that you you do so much other stuff it's just really nice that you focus on this yeah and I would say honestly a lot of people in this industry wish they had a niche a niche (laughs) or focus where it's like this is like you're specialized. Yeah. So people know like everyone that DMs me about SIBO, like, yes, I had it and I can tell you what I did, but like, I don't fucking know the ins and outs of it. Like go to Phoebe's page. Well, I don't really know either, which is why I started a podcast. And I was like, yeah. okay, like let's take, um, kind of basically the three posts that I wrote originally was mm-hmm. like one, like, how do you know if you have it? Like symptoms testing. Number two is like treatment, like mm-hmm. natural or otherwise. And like the third part was like the diet piece. Yeah. And we'll link so, all of these in the show. Yeah. Notes. And, um, so I just knew I was like, I was like, I'm going to create a one season podcast that just takes you like, as soon as you get diagnosed, like if you listen to these 10 episodes, like you're going to be able to wrap your head around mm-hmm. like your root causes, what to do and just like create a game plan That's for yourself. So helpful. Yeah, but then, of course, I did 10 episodes and was like, but there are, like, all these, There's so much more. Yeah, so many prongs to it, so many root causes, and, like, there's a whole Hashimoto's SIBO connection that I unearthed. Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to motility, which is Mm -hmm. just, you know, how food moves through your intestines, and there's, like, this muscular process called yeah that, the micromotor yeah the migrating mm-hmm. motor complex um that's run by like these nerve cells but um when that gets compromised like SIBO is the result and there are yeah. just like hundreds of ways that that could get compromised mm-hmm. whether it's traumatic brain injury or having not having enough thyroid hormone you know what else I'm gonna give you another podcast episode what? Uh, mercury poisoning yeah i know you told me about that one and i've been that's on my season three creates a home for it yeah i'm going to do a whole episode on um environmental toxins mm-hmm. and SIBO because mold exposure also yeah i just found out today actually i have that mold exposure yeah. oh god it's I'm, like give me everything I at know. this point but that's i mean yeah once you <laughs> go it's off okay. the rails a little bit no it's not no, like it's you attract it but it's like your body is just gonna have a harder time Evidently, I don't detox well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're a bad methylator. Yeah, me too. It's <laughs> shitty, but the when because the heavy metals was what they think my mercury poisoning like may have caused not only SIBO number one but SIBO number two because mm-hmm. it creates a home. Same with shingles, which I also had. Like I it had cre- that too. Yeah, where was yours? Um, it was on my upper thigh. Oh, I got it in college and I was like, is this an STD? Oh my God. <laughs> I got mine on the back of my neck and I thought they were bug bites. Oh. 
and I was at work with them for, I look at their photos now and I cannot believe that my coworkers would take pictures of them for me because I couldn't see them and I was obsessive of whether they were growing and they were disgusting, like Uh outrageously disgusting. And I was at work the entire time. Went to the doctor, came back. I was like, I have shingles. And my boss was like, okay, cool. I was like, I think I should go home. He's like, nah. Well, and I mean, it's like so, a virus. So it but you can give people chicken pox. Yes, if, if they don't true. have chicken pox or they didn't have a vaccine. And I, me- I will never forget the intern was sitting next to me. And I was like, well, you've all had chicken pox, right? Because like everyone, I was the youngest person on my team. So totally. Like everyone, who hasn't ex- had thank chicken you. pox? And everyone's like, yeah, of course we have. Of course we have. And then oh the intern God. goes, no. And like shoots his seat away from me. And I was like, okay, well, welcome to J.P. Morgan. You're probably going to get chicken pox. He didn't, but it was very comical. Thank God. Um, <laughs> so that's another podcast idea. Episode. Yeah. And then I have a, this might, I, I, I know no boundaries, but oh, I'm yeah. asking because you mentioned two things that have gotten me to think it. When you said the imposter syndrome regarding mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a book. But then also, I would say, when I said, like, oh, I just send them to you because you're the expert. And you say there's still so much to learn. Do you, which obviously there's always more to learn. In my eyes, you're an expert. But do you feel that imposter syndrome around such a specific topic that's medical focused? Um, I mean, y- it's not imposter syndrome because mm-hmm. I don't have any sort of medical yeah, training. Because well, you're not saying <laughs> yeah. I'm a doctor. Because yes. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. Um, and I'm not like a practitioner in the space. And I don't right. want to be. It's something that I could easily like. That's what I was also going to ask you. I know. It's like I get requests for health coaching all the time or just mm-hmm. like guidance, especially with SIBO. And yeah. for whatever reason, I just don't think it's my, I don't know, it's not my superpower. So mm-hmm. I think I'm better served creating these more like creative resources yeah. and um, but it's also good to know your landline yeah, yeah yeah um so yeah I refer them out to other people um and you know everyone's searching for doctors too who like mm-hmm. really understand and just can help them put together a game plan but yeah no I don't have imposter syndrome per se there's just so it's so complicated and there's so, so much to know and there's so much that's still unknown mm-hmm. that's like in like we're gonna discover so much more over the next you know decade about this and how it works um and yeah that's I guess my my only worry right now with writing a book that's like gonna have a lot of that's true hard information in it is that like what's gonna change but that also can apply to any book that's written oh yeah I was worried about that about the wellness project yeah like things are always evolving think about how fast everything changes it's like in five years or, or in a year we're gonna be told that no one should be drinking celery juice like mm-hmm. you know, say that now. Yeah, you'll say it now. <laughs> um, so, but I, I ask that question mainly because when people ask me very specific, what I struggle with in this industry, I guess, is what I should start off with. People who, and it's it's such a hard thing to navigate this sentence, but I do think a lot of people in our space act as if they have. A degree that they do not. Yes, correct. And they tell you what to do. And they mm-hmm. tell you if you do this, like it'll fix all these things without actual backing. Yeah. And so I think as consumers, myself included, when I'm on my personal Instagram account, we then put so much weight in the words of those said by anyone with like a K after they're following. Yeah. And so we expect them to have all the answers. And then we ask them all these questions. And so what I get overwhelmed by is by the constant amount of questions I get around medical stuff that I have mm-hmm. no fucking idea. 
Yeah. Like I can tell you what I went through, but I can't tell you what to do. I don't know anyone. Like I don't I don't know the person behind the phone. I don't know their day to day life. Even if I did, I'm not a doctor. Exactly. And so that's the reason I ask because I feel that some that sometimes when people DM me like, I just found out I have high levels of mercury, like what should I do or what pill like yeah. I immediately say find a doctor. And also, like, yeah. I, I'm kind of selfishly curious. I'm like, what? what is your definition of high levels? I just want to compare <laughs> how bad were my levels actually. Yeah. I know. I mean, I have, like, doctor friends who have huge Instagram followings. And yeah. it's easier for them to be like, I don't practice DM medicine. Like, I don't want to lose my medical license. But people I are still that. snarky about that. And for me, I mean, I need to... Cr- find a gracious like mm-hmm. automatic response for those things yeah. it's less the dms and more the emails i get which is like they're I'm also sure you get so extensive. demanding sometimes yeah. like women just being like tell me like did you have like this like was it hydrogen was it like what happened with you because they just want to like, copy should, what exactly yeah. i'm like what and i try to i'm like what like what my situation is like actually doesn't matter mm-hmm. like you could have a completely different and also you don't have to share every fucking detail of your life yeah but then they get so testy, so testy. and like it's just i know i need to find some gracious auto yeah. i'm actually i'm from my website i'm gonna turn on an autoresponder that literally just says if you write me about your your medical yeah. stuff i'm not gonna respond you should because yeah yeah but like some people do like within it i mean it's nice people want to tell me their stories but it's also Mm -hmm. quite depressing a lot of the time and sometimes though there's a real question in there that i can answer like but a lot of times it's just yeah i agree like if it's finding a doctor in nyc here there's a blog post for that yeah like my rolodex like i still haven't found a good one (laughs) (laughs) no i talk to my therapist about that sometimes is that it's difficult that you feel you're taking on a lot of other people's problems yeah without ever like as much as I want to help everyone possible it's not necessarily my job um, right and I don't have the means to do it either and so it, it is difficult because once you open yourself up on this platform to say I'm struggling with this I agree it's a lot of emails or dms or whatever of like let me tell you what I'm struggling with yeah. also but long stories with without really any way for me to help yeah there's not an ask no and people have to do the work like I guess that's why I'm more attracted to like group coaching programs Mm -hmm. like I have a program called four weeks to wellness which Mm -hmm. is like my I don't know flagship program but it's so funny I didn't start doing quote-unquote programs so like after the wellness project and I created this kind of like four-week microcosm of Mm -hmm. all the things that I found the most helpful and like how to do it in baby steps and then more recently after I started getting into the SIBO stuff, created a low FODMAP. I was going to ask if you did that. Yeah, a low FODMAP plan for that. But, you know, I just try and funnel people into that because honestly, like, I'm happy to answer any of their questions, like, Mm -hmm. as part of the group coaching in the Facebook group. But once they start doing the work, like, and start feeling better, like, the questions, like, answer themselves. They figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I cannot believe I'm asking this late in the episode but what is your favorite characteristic about yourself (laughs) um uh, I'd say I think I'm very savvy I agree like I think I have a good mix of street smarts and intellect Mm -hmm. well that's honestly (laughs) what I was complimenting you in the beginning I'm always amazed by all this content like you are always everywhere I feel like and every time I get a newsletter by you I'm like Jesus Christ how did you put this whole thing together uh, like, well, I'm so I have impressed. an assistant. That okay, does well, still. Half of it. I just write the intro every other week. And <laughs> either way, I'm really impressed. <laughs> Thank you. So know that every time you hit send, 
No, you have it's an really nice to hear because it's very easy to feel like you're never doing enough. I and agree. Especially since like I feel like I started in the blogging era mm-hmm. before a lot of these social sites like even existed. Yeah. And that was like, you know, writing two posts a week. And like now I'm like writing two posts a week in addition to like ugh, so much. Well, it's just <laughs> no, it is crazy. Like the amount of content that people demand in a yeah. way, like especially the amount of free content that people demand. Like I said, I I don't know who I was talking to, but I was laying out like ideally what my week would be. And I would post every day, have stories all day. And then I would release one podcast a week, two recipes and a blog post. And they were like, that's fucking crazy. That's a lot. I was like, first of all, I don't do that. Okay. But I was saying dream world. And then they said it was crazy. I'm like, that is insane because I'm not getting paid for a lot of those things. Yeah. And I don't have the time. Like it's, it's so much time to create good content. Like so much. I don't want to be putting out shitty stuff just to put it out and stay relevant. Yeah. No. Quantity over quality. Wait, no. Quality Quality over over quantity. I was like, yeah, sure. No, quality over quantity. Quality over quantity. (laughs) Yeah. Except I do feel like in today's day and age, a lot of time it's quantity over quality, unfortunately. I know, but I feel like I'm hoping there's a backlash like that. I agree. Yeah. I'm ready for the backlash. I'm a little burnt out right now. Yeah. There was a very interesting article that someone sent me and I actually didn't get a chance to read, but it was like why millennials are, Mm -hmm. did you read it? Oh yeah. Like the burnt. It's really good. Is it? Okay, good. Yeah. Whatever the generation of burnt out. Yep. Something. It was from like a few months ago. Yeah. It's great. I'm gonna, oh, well, and it's like I'm that horrible. late to it. Yeah. Okay, well, I will read it now that it's like five months old. And I'll also post in the show notes because why not? Why not? Yeah, I love show notes. Until then I re-listen to this episode and edit it. I'm like, fuck, I have to get that link, this link, that link. Well, oh. you do. A f- oh, I can't even imagine. No, whole- I don't. I, weirdly, sometimes there's just not that much. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> we don't have any pop culture references. Yeah, but you've got like a ton of medical stuff. Yeah, I know. I don't really link to study. I don't think my audience really wants to read the studies. Probably Maybe I'm true. Wrong. I don't know. They just want me to digest it for them. Yeah, I love you, but I wouldn't want to read a study. That's yeah. why I would go to you. I don't want to read the yeah. studies. That's <laughs> exactly. why I talk to experts no one wants who to have read, read the studies. studies. That's why I don't consider myself a pure expert. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I'm a patient expert. That's what I, I that. honed with the wellness project and why I feel less imposter syndrome okay. now. Cause I'm like, it's a real thing. It and is. People want that. Like the wellness project, my editor, oh gosh. I mean, my editor was amazing, but like, just like the publishing house mm-hmm. in general, I couldn't believe I was writing a health book where I didn't tell anyone one thing to do. Yeah. And I felt so strongly about that. Mm-hmm. Um, just like give some tips and suggestions, but really just like give it through my, my experiences. But now I'm like, you know what? It worked, and it did now work. I'm like I have a niche, so maybe that'll sell the book a little bit. <laughs> It'll do amazing. And when is that expected? Is it, you have no idea. Twenty twenty one. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. February, January, twenty twenty one. I'm very. I just learned that February is like a big release date for books. Is it? Oh, yeah. Shoot, I know. Maybe uh, March twenty twenty one. No, but that'll be good. I don't want to be in the oh, gray. Okay. Yeah. All right, fine. And then my closing question. If you could choose up to three different things that would be the way to your heart through food, what would they be? French fries. Where are your favorite French fries from? I had to cut you off before you kept going. You know, all of the Keith McNally restaurants make excellent French fries, and most of them are gluten-free. All of them, actually. Interesting. Well, I won't say all of them because I can't fact check that, but a lot of them. Yeah. I wish I had a fact The new pastis just opened, and their fries are delicious. Oh, you've already been? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. You're fast. I'm fast. Okay. Yeah. So French fries. Um, 
Yeah, I'm trying to think where else is good fries. Um, I like Bear Burger fries because they're gluten free. Beggars can't really be choosers like their sweet potato now. Fries. Yeah, they're delicious. Oh my god, they're so um, good. I will also say the um, by Chloe sweet potato fries are quite good. Interesting, I haven't had those. Um, actually, no, sorry, their regular fries are better. They're actually quite crispy and they're Ooh. air fried. Oh, um, wow. they okay. don't travel that well, but yeah, but I feel like most fries yeah, don't really. Exactly. Are you a shoestring fry or like a steak cut? Or I'm just like a I'm McDonald's a freak. Okay. Yeah, like McDonald's style. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But I do love spotted pig shoestring fries. Mm, yeah, I don't think oh those are gluten free. I don't know if they are. Yeah, I'd um, be shocked if they were breaded. Can though. I choose yeah, fries as like all three of my things? <laughs> so you good. can, but do you have others? Um, <laughs> well, mayonnaise with my Ooh. fries. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I really hope my friend Danielle listens to this because she fucking loves mayonnaise. Most people hate it. No, no, no. Few people love it as much as I do. No, I've never met someone that loves it as much as her, so I might have to connect the two of you. She's a fucking mayo addict. Flavor, like this Sir Kensington special sauce is so good. We go through like a bottle. Yeah. She gets mayo everywhere we go. Yeah. um, I don't know if we can count as like a full food group, but um, we can. Yeah, pasta and pizza always been a key. Mm-hmm. Now gluten free pizza is like caught up. Pasta like got there a little while ago. Yeah, but where are your favorite of those two? Um, I actually have a whole post you can link to on pizza. Oh, I knew that. Yes. Yeah. Um, actually, Rosso Pomodoro New Year's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, had that. And yeah, Fornino in Brooklyn is delicious. Okay, never had that. Um, My favorite is Keste. Yeah, I haven't had Keste in I forever. I, I need about, to revisit yeah. it. I had I really it like right it. at the beginning of like. They were like the only ones in town oh, when doing gluten-free. And I also had just become gluten-free. So now it was probably the same quality as it was back then, but I have way lower standards. No, but honestly, <laughs> no, I swear to God, I will order it for a group and they will not know. Really? Oh, okay. I think it mu- they must have changed the recipe. Yeah. I think really like people's good. like understanding, like all the doughs right now are pretty similar. They're like, they've really nailed the like pillowy dough. Yeah. And that was not the case. Because there's nothing worse than getting years ago. Like when you're excited that a menu has a gluten-free pizza Ugh. and then they bring it out and it's a piece of cardboard with yeah. sauce on it. And I'm like, this is, doesn't even resonate pizza. It I just know. makes me angry because I mean only... controversial, but Ruby Rosa gluten free pizza is like that. Oh, they have, really? Their other gluten free stuff it. is excellent, though. Their gluten free fried calamari and like oh, it's really God. good. It tastes just like normal calamari. I just thought of you because of the gluten free calamari <laughs> on my honeymoon that they had, and you DM'd <gasps> right. me and you I were was like, like, "Yes, this is amazing!" And so I had it every day. Oh my God, I would have too. But the yeah, I hate a, a bad gluten free pizza. Is not only not pizza, but it's just shitty food. Yeah. I would actually, number three, like a good fried seafood of any kind is mm. so delicious. It's like all the things I can't really yeah. <laughs> eat anymore. That's all the keys to my yeah, heart. That's probably why you... Oh, I actually, I'll sub that in. My husband's pancakes. Oh my God. That's yeah. so nice of you. I know. He won't listen to this, but oh, okay. I'll know I said it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. I haven't had pancakes in a while. I got to make this. Yeah. Gluten-free pancakes. They're, Do you use they're a legit. mix? Yeah. Which Bob's mix? Red Mill. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Hashtag not sponsored. Yeah, exactly. Just love it. Just love it. Um, well, thank you so much for being on. This was so much fun. Of course. Thanks for having me. Of course. For buttering me up all episodes. I know. I love gassing people. That's why I have this podcast. Um, everything that we mentioned will be in the show notes, but definitely if you are someone that is struggling with SIBO or you're just interested, check out the SIBO Made Simple podcast and also Phoebe's site. So thank you, Phoebe. Thanks. 
Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I thoroughly hope you enjoyed it. If you could be so kind, I would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Currently, this one's available on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there at Freckled Foodie.